maybe this has happened to you recently. If you come to a point in your life where you're facing some crisis, some challenge where you feel really desperate, and you need prayer, who do you ask? Who do you contact? If you're in that desperate moment, who will you reach out to and say, could you pray for me? Are there certain people that you would contact? And, and here is my question, how would you choose them? How would you choose who you contact? Is there some sense that this person probably is a little closer to God? This person probably God listens to a little bit more? We probably wouldn't call our most secular, unchurched co-worker. We probably would get a hold of somebody we feel like they probably at least talk to God a lot. Maybe God listens to them more. We saw last week James's uh, observation that... Uh, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. That who is praying does make a difference. And so that brings me back to that question, who would you ask for to pray for you? Really, think about that just in your head. Don't say it out loud. But who would you reach out to if you needed prayer? Probably a righteous person. Well, then that would be come to the next who's the most righteous person that you know who could pray for you who's super close to god well i have one really bizarre question what about jesus how about asking jesus to pray for you well if you're like me the first reaction would be, well i couldn't do that <laughs> he's he's jesus or he's busy or who am I to ask Jesus? You know, I just, that, that's crazy. Couldn't do that. It'd be great, but... Well, that's where we come to the point of the sermon today. Because Scripture tells us that Jesus actually is praying for you. And you've maybe never thought of it that way, and, and that's okay. But we're going to see that Scripture paints a picture that Jesus is talking to God for you. He's praying for you. Romans 8.34 says this. Uh, who is the one who condemns? No one. Uh, nobody can condemn us. Why? Because Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God. And what's he doing? He is also interceding for us. If we're a Christian... Jesus is standing at the right hand of God today, now, for each of us, and is interceding for us. Well, I, I wanted to dig to that and say, well, well, what's that really mean? So I did some research, and the, the word that Paul uses there in, in the Greek word, it means to come up against. To come up against, to defend, to protect. To, to advocate for sort of that role of, in our world, what we would think of as a defense attorney. In, in every positive sense of the way, someone who is there to speak for you and to represent your cause to help your cause. Well, that sort of sounds like we're on trial. 
So then the next question that came to me is, well, why do we need a defender? Why do I need a defense attorney? Sometimes we think about judgment day coming, and, and we have that in our head. Someday we'll have to face judgment and God's evaluation. But what if that's going on all the time? It's not just about judgment day. What if that's going on all the time? Well, I want to look at a couple of verses. First of all, Hebrews 4.13 says, Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. So we have God who is seeing everything, and, and everything is laid out before him, this great judge, and we can't hide anything from him. We may fool other people, we may be good liars, we may be good pretenders, but not God. We can't trick God. He is going to see everything. But it's not just that God is there to evaluate us, or we could call him the judge. Here's the scary point, and that is that there is a prosecutor. There is a prosecutor trying to lay out our guilt and why we should be judged guilty. Now, how can I say that? Well, I'm going to use two different verses. First of all, in Revelation 12:10, Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah. For the accusers of our brothers and sisters, who accuses them before our God day and night, has been hurled down. Now that's a verse speaking of Satan and of his coming doom. But notice what Satan is doing prior to that. He is there as the, uh, uh, the prosecuting attorney accusing the Christian. Accusing the humans. And he's doing that every day. Pointing out to God who's watching, God, did you see that sin? God, did you see that attitude? Did you see what they did? Did you see what they said? How they treated others? Twice in Job, we see this same picture of Satan coming before God to accuse. One of his names in the Bible is the accuser. One other verse in Zechariah, the prophet Zechariah, chapter 3, verse 1. He is given a, a vision into heaven to see what's going on. And he says there, Then he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. So here is Satan standing beside Joshua the high priest to make sure and point out everything he's done wrong prosecuting attorney, the accuser, Satan pointing out our failures. And we le learn in Revelation that he's doing that every day for all of us. And we're all aware that we give him plenty of ammunition. It's not like we're perfect and he has to make up stuff. He points out what we've done. Now, do we stand there alone on trial? with just our words to defend ourselves, and as Satan points out what we all know he has done, what do we say? Well, Christians have a different fate. We don't need to stand there alone. That's what that passage in Romans is talking about. 
Jesus is interceding for us. He comes up against that prosecutor, that accuser, Satan, to speak on our behalf. The writer of Hebrews, uh, uh, that interceding is only used, I think, four times in the whole New Testament. And we're going to look at three of the four today. The writer of Hebrews says the same thing. Therefore, Jesus is able to completely save those who come to God through him. Because he always lives to intercede for them. One of the ways that Jesus saves us is because he is there before God when we are being accused by Satan of our wrongs to intercede for us and to speak on our behalf. And that's why he doesn't lose any of those who come to God through him. Now, not through some sharp defense, not like a lot of TV shows we watch where there's some legal loophole and oops, we get off, or some failure on the judge's part or the jury's part, and so we get to dismiss the charges. Jesus' defense is one that would make us a little bit nervous because Jesus' defense will be, yes, Father, they did do that. What Satan said, they did it. They're guilty. At which point we would all be like, oh, great, thanks. This is not working well. Except we know. Jesus then says, they are guilty. They are liable for death. And I have already paid their penalty. So that penalty that they deserve, it's, it's been taken care of. It's dismissed. And Satan has nothing left to say. His accusations were proved true. And even Jesus says they did sin. They did do that. They said that. They had that attitude. But Father, they're one of mine. I died for them. And my righteousness clothes them. So when you see them, you see my righteousness, Jesus says. That's the best defense possible. And God looks at the case and says, case closed. Judgment made. Penalty paid, redeemed. The debt is no longer owed. Jesus paid it. That's part of what it means for Jesus to be in heaven at the right hand of God, interceding for us. For you. If you're a Christian, he does that for you. If you're not a Christian, he wants to do that for you, if you'll accept him as your Lord and Savior. But I want us to think today a little bit more, because I think Jesus interceding for us is more than that. I think Jesus is not only speaking on our behalf for our salvation. I think he is speaking on our behalf in general. He is speaking to the Father for his followers his disciples those who are those who wear his name i said to intercede is only used in three or four places in the whole new testament which i found interesting in and of itself but one of the places it is used we are much more familiar with i think than jesus interceding for us and that is the holy spirit 
earlier in the same chapter, Romans 8, Paul tells us that in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We don't even know what we ought to pray for. But it's okay because the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans, through language that we don't even understand. But because the Spirit is God, is part of God, He is able to communicate with God from His perspective in us. He knows us. He's been with us. He understands us better than ourselves. He understands the why behind what we do or don't do. And out of that full understanding of us, Paul says the Spirit takes all of that and he fully understands God because he is God. And he communicates for us, he intercedes for us with the Father. Bringing our situation, our need, our struggles to the Father with full understanding more than we could do. And Paul says we can rely on that. But you see, that's the same chapter where in a few verses later, Paul says, and Jesus is at the Father interceding for us as well. I'd never put those two verses together until I was working on this sermon. And the picture I got was just amazing to me. So here we have the Holy Spirit in us, fully understanding us, knowing exactly what God needs to hear and what we need to tell God, and He is doing that. He's starting it. He's interceding for us. But then as he prays and takes those needs, that message, that question, whatever it might be to the Father, here's Jesus who picks it up and says, yeah, and he takes it to the Father. So now we have two of the three who make up God interceding for us on our behalf. Jesus adds his words of help. Jesus speaks alongside our prayer and says, Yes, Father, this is one of mine. Yes, help this person, Father. They're one of my disciples. The Spirit and I both feel like this is what's needed. Can you give this to them? If you're a believer of Jesus Christ, He is doing for that for you every day. That's what Paul says. That's not just me saying it. That's what Paul says. That's what the writer of Hebrews says. That's a promise of God that can give us an unshakable life. Paul says, if we don't even know what to say, the situation we're in, we're not, we're not even sure what to say to God, or we're so embarrassed we're afraid to talk to God, or we don't even know what to ask for, or we don't see that there's any answer. So why pray for an answer? Because there isn't one. Whatever situation we're in, the Spirit says, I got this. And the Spirit begins interceding for us. And then Jesus takes that and adds to it and says, this is one of mine. They've, they've asked me to be their Savior. I'm for them, Father. Look at them in my righteousness and help them. That's an unshakable life. That's what Jesus wants to offer us. But that's also why it's so important 
what we do with Jesus. Because the, the honesty of the Bible says Jesus doesn't do that for every human. He does it for those who want him to. For those who say, Jesus, be my Savior. I want to follow you. I want to accept you as my Lord, my Savior. And Jesus says, I will. But for the humans who say, I want to do this on my own. I, I want to be a good enough person and I'll get by with what I do. Jesus says, okay. And he leaves us to that. But we don't have to be that way. So that is the question that goes with this wonderful good news that Jesus is praying for us. Is he praying for you? If you're watching today, wherever you are, is he praying for you? Have you made him your Lord and Savior? Have you asked Jesus to have control of your life, to give your life to him? He wants to do that. That's why he died. That he might have that righteousness, that, that debt, sin debt paid for, for you. But we have to come to him and say, Jesus, will you be my Savior? And when we do that, he says, I will. And every day, I will talk to the Father for you. And that's what he's doing today. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for all you have done for us in dying for us and for all you do for us each day as you intercede to the Father for us. Spirit, thank you for your intercession as you work with Jesus to plead our case before the Father against the accuser who points out every one of our sins and failures. But Jesus, I also pray that you would speak into the hearts of any listening to this sermon today, wherever they are, if they have not asked you to be their Savior, their Lord, if they've not given you their lives, may you be able to touch their heart and help them understand how important it is that they make that decision. Call them to you and help them have the courage to stand and say, Jesus, I want you as my Savior and Lord. I pray this in your son's name.